and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. GMT. I'm your host, Anu. I'm recording from my studio here in London, UK, and I use this platform to share not just experts, but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to, if you don't make it to the PPC chat live discussions, and even if you do, then like, follow, share, and retweet on that's right, the marketing Anu, or join us on our LinkedIn group, which is the PPC chat roundup podcast. Or if you're on Instagram, why don't you check us out? at ppcchat underscore roundup to get quotes, snippets, memes, gifts, just general things that make me laugh, mostly quotes and snippets of our past shows. It's such a great delight to share that this podcast is sponsored by Opteo. They are a complete toolkit for Google Ads managers and Opteo continuously monitors Google Ads accounts for statistically significant patterns. So when something comes up, Opteo will suggest an improvement that can be pushed live to your Google Ads account in a few seconds. So it makes your Google Ads profitable. So it's not just about focusing on increasing spends like the likes of some of our big platforms. Join the likes of Spotify, Deliveroo, Selfridges, Etsy, and the like to see how Opteo can help your business do more with Google ads. So check out the unique link, opteo.com forward slash PPC chat for a 60 day free trial. Cause yeah, who doesn't love a try before you buy? Okay. So for our second show of the year, we're in week two of January. I hope you're still hanging in there and the January winter weather isn't getting you too blue. Um, but it was great that we had a, such a lovely turnout online to share what the topic that Julie Bicini so excellently led us in. And our second topic of this year is, was all about ad targeting and how you figure out who and what to target. Not only was it an exciting topic, but it's such an exciting time for me right now. This second episode of the year, I thought it would be excellent and amazing to get a friend, a colleague, a co-speaker in at Brighton SEO, the amazing Tiffany, to come and join me on this episode to talk about ad targeting. She's really great at it. But yeah, before I go on too much, Tiffany, please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, everybody. I'm Tiffany Shears. I've been working in PPC for, I think it's been about three or four years now. I kind of started off in tracking. I got really, really good at tracking. And then from there, I started working in analytics. And now I've kind of become targeting and data specialist at my current agency, Absolute Digital Media. I've done some talks at Brighton SEO. I did one at the Paid Social Show, which was about building e-commerce and I did another one at the Measure Fest, which was about GA4. So both very data-based analytics and targeting-based conferences. Nice. Um, so you are a big fan of data. Was that something you just stumbled into or it's, it's something that you had a knack for even before you got into paid search? Well, it was after I got into paid search. I've always been, so when I got into, I've had kind of a bit of unconventional route into doing digital marketing. Yeah. I started working at a digital marketing company, but I was in the complaints department and oh. it was specifically called investigations and resolutions. Okay. So it was my job to have a look at problems and come up with a solution from them. Yeah. And something like being very good at fixing things naturally mm. 
is what data is all about. When you're looking at data, you're looking for a problem and a way to fix it. So because I already had that kind of background, I started off working on tracking and I got really good at tracking and tracking and data obviously are very intertwined because, well, you can't look at data if you're not tracking correctly. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And and even coming back a little bit to our topic, and we'll get into the question, try not to answer too prematurely here, but how does targeting kind of fit with data? Because I imagine the data will show you is very good if you, you know, do all your tagging well. It can be very good to showing you whether you're targeting the right people or not. Is that pretty much how it works or is it a little bit more complicated than that? Data is very good for targeting because for one thing, when you're looking at data, it helps you show who you need to target. When you're having a look at your running campaigns, for example, on Google Ads, you've got all the different types of analytics that tells you the demographics that does best, what kind of interest does best, and you can use that to build out your other campaigns. Alternatively, you need actual traffic to get that data into analytics. So if you're not getting enough traffic to your website because you're not targeting the correct people, then you're not going to get the data through that's going to tell you where. So you kind of need both. You need data to tell you where to target, but Mm -hmm. you need the right targeting, the right audiences to give you the correct data to make those decisions. Okay. That sounds good. Well, I hope we get a lot more information as we go through the questions as to yeah, what kind of decisions that we need to be making or trying kind of questions that we need to be asking to make the right decisions. Julie, you know, welcomes us to the chat, you know, says thank you all for joining us. We're going to be discussing ad targeting and how you figure out what to target. A nice um, little PSA that she always puts in here, which I love also mentioning, is that before we get into the question, this chat is intended for PPC professionals of all levels. So if you have something you want to share, please do. We are a friendly and supportive community. So please don't be afraid to participate. But lurkers, as well as just podcast listeners, you are definitely welcome to just sit back and listen to all the amazing advice that comes from the community and from Tiffany herself regularly on the chat. It's always great, as we were saying earlier on, it's nice to see another UK name on the community. I feel it's a lot more of the US folk who I love. They're such an amazing supportive bunch, but I'd love to see a much more UK based because I'm here as well. So, you know, better access to us. So come on, UK guys, I believe in you. (laughs) So going to the questions, we'll start with question one. What are your thoughts and how do you feel generally about targeting in PPC? Is it simple, complex, harder now, level of sorcery you wish you could fully unlock? And I started, I gave my answer to that one. I think that was one question I was able to confidently answer and say that it is much more complex. A lot less some of the other experts talked about more of the platform issues, but I also find that there can be also communication issues with client or actually knowing exactly what the target market is, who are their customers. It's not just everybody looking for your product and it's very good to actually segment in that way. What do you think, Tiffany? How complicated is it? It's definitely complex. One problem that I have at the moment is I'll get like a profile from the client that will set out the exact profile of what exactly that they want to target, but I can't target most of them because of GDPR and laws around it. And a lot of the targeting isn't becoming available. So a lot of the time you have to find other ways of targeting that person. There's a lot of other things that have come into play, like ethics and why you should be targeting. One of the recent updates with Facebook, for example, is you can't target certain people of 
like a religion, for example, mm. which can become more difficult because if you're working for like a Christian church, you only want to target Christian people, but you can't mm. actually do that. So you have to find roundabout ways of doing it. On Google, it's very, very complicated to get targeting because you have a lot of targeting Google, but when you're using keywords, you don't want to get away from people that could be searching that isn't part of those groups. So yeah. there's very complex ways to build audiences. Yeah. You've got like custom audiences now, which is really, really good, but that's still very yeah. newish. And I think a lot of people don't use that as often yeah. as what they should. Yeah. So it is very difficult. It's not as simple as it used to be. It used to be yeah. you could just build a profile and you could be like, oh, I just want to target that person. Yeah, yeah that is a lot difficult now than what it used to be. Of course. I mean, when you were, were talking, I was thinking about one of the last tasks I was helping with an account exec in our team and the instruction they we had like whole like list of tasks that we they they hoped us for us to get to. And one of the the tasks was create audiences for you know generic terms. And I literally was like, what do you mean? I mean, literally at the start and end of the sentence was create audiences for these campaigns. And I'm like, what audiences? Do you know how many audiences and all the different characteristics of the audiences? I had to tell um, the lady I was working because she had the, the direct communication with the person who gave us this task. I was like, can you please go back and tell them what audiences that we need to create? Because it's one job to know what audiences to create. It's another job actually creating it. Like those are two difficult tasks. Like we can't just sit here and just be like told create all the audiences. So yeah, targeting is very important and a lot of communication I definitely feel is needed around it. Now going to some of um, our experts, mostly from the US, <laughs> giving us answers for this question. Dan Patterson goes, I'll go with a level of sorcery you wish you could fully unlock. Yeah, yeah, that can seem like sorcery. Steve Gibson replies saying, we're losing control over keyword targeting due to broad matching of everything, but we can layer audiences, et cetera. So it's a bit of a mixed bag as well. Tammy Harris replies to question one as well, saying all, all, all of these things, it depends on how specific the client's needs to be and which platform they want it on. And Julia herself replies saying, I think targeting is harder lately. We have been so used to being able to control to a pretty fine level who or what we were targeting. Now it is a lot squishier all the way around, whether it is keyword or audience type targeting. We've got Steve, Steve Hammer also replying saying, however, seeing what's happening with Facebook, which is rapidly becoming trust us, will handle the targeting because privacy, which is what you mentioned, the whole GDPR issues. Yeah. You know, I'm not ready for this to be turned over to the machines. Julia Weiss goes, I would say it's more complex than it used to be. There are lots of options, but we've also lost a lot of visibility and easy cross-channel attribution. Huh? fairy tale. Julie continues her answer in replies to see Steve when he talks about Facebook and the privacy issues. She goes, I am consistently fascinated by the level of just input stuff and we will take it from there that we generally accept from Facebook that makes us scream when it comes from Google. Steve continues saying that there's some real subtlety when it comes to targeting. It's rarely as simple as just select in market for your product and profit and yeah Rachel was like haha this is so true although you could put Facebook in there you could put FB could be interchanged with Google could be interchanged with probably even like Twitter and Instagram and all these guys all of it 
It's all about just give us the keywords. I mean, performance max campaign is pretty much just give us the keywords, give us the ad copy, we'll do the rest. I'm not sure anyone is really thrilled about that. Dwayne Brown then also replies to question one saying more competition makes it harder and competitive. There's data to help get ideas around who to target. Audience insights, Google Analytics, reading customer review. YouTube is always the harder one to crack. Yeah, I've never really cracked YouTube myself. Have you tried YouTube yourself? Yeah, it's very difficult because people will sometimes watch random things and you can't really Mm. peg it down. Like I'm a big gamer. So when I go on YouTube, I watch like a lot of games. But if you were to look at my profile, I wouldn't fit someone that you would class as a gamer. Yeah. So if you were to just look at audiences, you wouldn't think. So whenever you're looking at videos, you're like, that does it seem like someone that wouldn't look at that sort of thing? But is that necessarily true? Yeah. So it's very difficult on YouTube because I don't think you can really, really know. I'll give you an example of what I was doing it before. I was working on a client where they're selling properties abroad. So the kind Mm. of age group they were looking at was like 50 plus. And I remember I used to look at certain videos and I used to be like, would a 50 year old look at that? I feel like a 50 year old would it be on that YouTube channel, but you just don't know these days. Yeah. And that's the thing It's just like the knowing that is, and you have to test and you have to, the data will show you. And sometimes you can be like, oh yeah, no, this area wouldn't work. And then the data really just sometimes surprises you. So yeah, I feel like your task is getting the most important, this is the most important these days. Condo replies to question one as well, saying pretty excited to use Comscore and Oracle for contextual targeting and third-party data providers like EOTA, Axioma, et cetera, for audience targeting. Aren't these the kind of things that need to be sunsetted with the whole, you know, GDPR? Can we use third-party data like that anymore? We can still use third-party data as of now. I think under GDPR, we can still use third-party data as long as that data is anonymized. So it really depends on how that company is selling the data on. If they're selling it on anonymously, it could still work. But we know that Flux coming up with Google, and that's going to be a completely different story. Absolutely. Stephen Wall replies saying, try explaining to clients which discovery ad worked best when all you can see is cross-channel. Jordan Stark replies, different platforms have different strengths. Knowing which platforms are more useful to reach certain audiences is a crucial starting point. Michael Fleming as well replies saying, sometimes easier, sometimes harder, depending on the audience and the targeting methods. I still don't trust interest-based audiences very much on any platform. Going on to question two now, Julie asks, how specific is your targeting in paid search? What are you using? Keywords, audiences, custom lists, dynamic search features. What do you use? Why do you use what you use even? Got an answer to that, Tiffany? <laughs> yes. I noticed that someone said that they don't trust or uh, interest audiences. And I actually mm. use that quite a lot on Facebook and it actually okay. works out quite well for me. But the way that I see it is when you've got a certain ones. So I will have two campaigns on my paid social, for example. Yeah. I will have a prospect in one. And that will be stuff like lookalikes, interest, because that will feed data into my next campaign, which is remarketing. Mm. So sometimes I think people will look at a campaign and be like, oh, that's not working. We need to get rid of it. But you need to look at that in the bigger picture. Interest is something where you might not necessarily, I mean, I get a lot of purchases and I get a lot of stuff from interest if they're built out correctly. But even if I didn't get as many of them, I've got to look at, but are they feeding the data into the account that we're now using for remarketing? So I might do something like a lookalike for people that have watched my videos. 
but then I'll have a remarketing that will target those people. So the mm. bigger I get in that audience is, the more that my remarketing can do. If my remarketing is getting a lot of conversions, then that audience is still working for it. Yeah. I do use a lot of interests and lookalikes. I use all of them, really. And then I will base it depending on how it's doing on the account. So I'll use lookalikes, interests, um, lookalike for customer match. They would be like my prospecting. And then yeah. remarketing is the more pixel-based ones. But with sure. Facebook as well, it's been even more important to use those audiences with yeah. the iOS 14.5 update. Right. Because okay. with that update, we can't target as many people. Because there's only, I think the yeah. last time I checked, the statistics were about 3% of people worldwide oh, were wow. actually agreeing to be targeted. Oh, that's tiny. So when you're looking at like a 97% drop in data, yeah. you really do need to be finding other ways to get that targeting through, which is where the interests and those ones can be helpful. But it's got to depend on your account, you know. At the end of the day, no account is the same. So yeah. it's all about testing as long as you're testing it. So if you're someone who's not sure an interest, the best thing to do would be just try it on a small budget. Mm. If you're doing it on a small budget and it doesn't work, you haven't really lost anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. But the whole is the issue though with small budget is are you going to get enough data? Enough like statistically significant data if it's only small budget? Because you know, with these guys, Google, Facebook. They only really give you intelligent results when you want to chuck the tens of thousands of pounds or dollars to the account. I think he can, because on Facebook, I have a wide range of clients that have different mm. budgets. And to yeah. be honest, since the iOS 14.5 update, some of my clients have actually decreased their budgets because they're not doing as well as what they were before. Mm. So even on a small budget, I think Facebook, you still get some results. It depends what results you're looking so mm. you might want to look at, rather than looking at the amount of conversions you get in, just look at how many people are actually viewing your web page and how many of those people are converting. So something like with a smaller budget, the conversion rate might be a better way of looking at it than how much conversions you get in or how much revenue you get in. Yeah. Yeah. So even on a small budget, there's other statistics that you can look at that will give you an idea Absolutely. of whether it's working or not. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. It's all about looking at those efficiency metrics and no matter how big or how small or big the volume is, you can see something significant from that. It makes sense. So I'm going on to our other answers for question two. Julia Vice goes, I get pretty specific. Lots of my programs are aimed at just one region. So we slice and dice to avoid overlap. It gets pretty wild keywords plus audiences plus dynamic, no custom lists for public sector, but pretty cool isolations if I do say so myself. Jordan Stark replies saying all of the above, usually in most cases at one point in another in the sales cycle. Steve Hammer replies, I'm a huge advocate for combined audiences of any form in a lot of cases. I'll take a target of competitors and add it to an interest or market. I can see you nodding, Tiffany, because it sounds very similar to what you just said. Yeah, it helps with both performance and messaging. Julia Weiss then continues our answer to question two, saying, never forget the ability to sequence awareness creative. You can add a whole layer of behavior by, behavior by sequencing YouTube videos before the viewers who have seen audience is added to search. 
Steve Gibson as well replies saying it depends. That's a very popular answer in our community. I get granular where it makes sense, but there's a trade-off between granularity and how quickly or often you can split test ads. Julie um, replies as well saying, I'm hanging on to trying to be more specific on my targeting in search for as long as I'm able to. Keywords first with audiences layered over that. Been using more dynamic search ads in accounts lately too. I wish you could target and observe audiences in Google ads. Can't you, is she trying to say to do both at the same time? Because yeah, what you usually do with the whole observation is that you observe for a while and then you start targeting. Targeting, yeah. Do you think that could be benefit of actually being able to observe and target at the same time for... I don't know why she might want to do that. I feel that's something that I'd like her to expand on on Thursday. Well, what it might be is she would want to target some audiences, but other audiences that you might not have collected enough data on, you can observe. So rather than having to pick targeting, observe for all of them, you could have 50% targeting and then 50% observing. Can't you already do that? I think you have to swap them all to targeting, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, because when you, I think pretty sure that you have to do it all on targeting. We're wrong, I'm not sure. That's Maybe we can ask her to clarify on Thursday. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> like we found that answer really interesting. Anyway, so Rachel Lowell replied to question two as well. Saying generally in Google ads, I use phrase and exact keywords, but sometimes layering audiences on observation. But I've never been like, wow, these audiences are doing things. Steve Hammer replies saying, including social PPC in here too. I do often get frustrated by targeting on social. There's a lot of people like that should just be people that. I've had well-built targets that were 99% expansion and 1% the actual target. Kami Karras replies to question two saying, I do most based on intent, affinity groups, and keywords. We are making more custom audiences. I've had bad experiences with some types, so I tend to shy away from the types I don't have good data on. Orlando Valencia replies saying, I tend to get pretty granular in my targeting for paid search. But it's always backed by performance. I try to test everything, but most dynamic features don't tend to perform well. And um, I think, yeah, we've got Steve Hammer replying to that saying, yeah, this is a huge problem. Twitter used to have targets like is likely to visit an Applebee's in the next 30 days. Not that I actually use that one, but that's a sharp target. And Facebook keeps removing them. Have there been any like targeting options that you feel that have been removed that would have been very useful since you started looking at audiences to be honest i haven't actually seen any that i've used that i've been removed mm. i think it depends because i think if you're doing something super niche you probably are going to see that problem mm. i did have a problem the other day that that kind of annoyed me a little bit and it was i was oh. working on a client that they you could sell houses to them and they wanted okay. to target like 40 plus because the chances of someone under 40 of actually having a house to sell is, is quite rare but because it was a special ad category, it wasn't letting me target any pick an age because it's discrimination. So that was a really annoying one. I managed to find a way around it by not declaring it a special ad category and getting Facebook to approve it. And they did for some reason. That's random because I, because demographics in terms of like age, that kind of stuff, why wouldn't you be able to? I know because at the same time I think it was you couldn't pick anything above 18 so because it's a house and you do often have to be 18 to get a house yeah you could do 18 but you couldn't do older than 18 and I'm like but what 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 18 year old is going to have a house to sell honestly when you can only buy a house at 18 who's going to be able to to sell a house honestly (laughs) you think that's just basic common sense 
And I would say, mm. I wouldn't say it's discrimination either, because to me, discrimination would be, oh, we're not going to sell you your house because you're only 18. Yeah. You're trying to tag, you're trying to be specific who you're targeting it to because you want to save money. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see the stats on how many 18 year olds have been able to afford a house. Even the early millionaires, you see these guys who have been millionaires at the age of 20. At the age of 18, though, were they really in a in a capacity to buy their own house? I'm quite interested to um, hear about that. I think in a way you kind of have gone into um, the answers for the next question that Julia has asked. She asked about targeting in paid social. So how specific do you get? Yeah, you're using interest, demographics, custom lists, lookalikes, and um, does it differ by platforms? And why do you use what you use? So yeah, how's your social, paid social targeting strategy like <laughs> yeah I think I touched upon that earlier I use all of them but it will vary by account I would always test mm-hmm. out whatever audiences I can I have like my standard ones that I'd start with so it would be on prospecting it would be interests mm-hmm. look like customer match mm-hmm. and then on retargeting it would be like visited website mm-hmm. added to cart something like that and then over time I expand okay okay so um, build collect the data uh, first and then yeah and then start looking at, at different audiences see how they work first I always think that you don't want to overload too much with Facebook at the beginning because Facebook sure. uses a lot on machine learning of course. and machine learning have their capabilities yeah so you'd always kind of want to start off with just certain ones and then just see what the data's telling you I mean it's really hard to see data on Facebook so I do mm. everything in Google Data Studio I have okay. like my own internal reports that I build oh. that's just for me that I don't send to clients. Okay. That will literally have everything that I need to know from Facebook. Absolutely. And then I use that to kind of build up my reports. Yeah, because trying to get stuff from the interface at the moment is is really hard. Yeah. Wow. You should build on um, some like templates, Google that Google, you know, data studio templates and sell it. Don't not not for free. I'm doing like a nice little <laughs> They'll charge for that because I'm sure loads of people in the face in the, the community would love visibility and data is exactly with all the issues that you have you hear uh, you know about Facebook. Like it's it's what you know Julie mentioned earlier on about the whole just sticking the data and let them do the work. Um so yeah, that's very interesting that you have a roundabout way to get around that. That's very clever. Julie Vice gives an answer to question three as well, saying it differs by platform, but we generally use all of the above when it comes to particular channels. I look at overall audiences and goals, start with the target and want to work from there. And then, yeah, with Steve Hammer replies to question three as well, saying, I feel like the only useful target is lookalike on Facebook anymore. If you do some additional qualifiers on Twitter, I do a lot of follower and keyword targeting. It varies greatly in effectiveness. Cami Harris as well replies to question three saying with social, we get as specific as possible. Geo and many demographics usually look alike when we have a tight audience that is a proven winner. Dwayne Brown comes in and answers question two saying all those options as they work well with DTC and e-com clients, not all work with every client, but we test all and keep what works and depending on the client. Jordan Stark then replies to question three saying, depending on the client, but usually a combination of all of those. I would say interests are a Facebook strength, uploaded audiences and lookalikes across the board and demographics are on a client to client basis. So like with paid social, are there any particularly like audience types or audience lists that you would do regardless of the client or will they be different for every client? I was quite interested about when you said that, you know, you start with some specific audiences 
to begin with? Are there any particular characteristics as well of what those audiences are like? Is it because of the, the audience types of that have the highest volume and then you get more granular? Yeah, so we have like a funnel that we kind of go through. So I'm sure that a lot of people be familiar with the sales funnel. Mm, um, yeah. So you've got the top one, which is going to be your very broad targeting. And so that's what's going to yeah. feed the data in. So we yeah. would always do interests, but we would combine interests with certain ages. What we might do sometimes if it's a really big account is we might break down the interests that do like different mm. ages. Mm. And we always make sure that we add stuff in like and engage shoppers because there's a lot of people on there that use Facebook I'm terrible for it I never buy anything on Facebook I don't trust most of the businesses or ads on Facebook so unless it's one that I know I will never like click on it or shop from it if people are adding engaged shoppers I can guarantee you they're not coming up on my Facebook feed yeah I mean to be with Facebook the ads are always coming in the middle of a video that I'm watching and it's yes. and it's something like an MCU video or Graham Norton, which I absolutely adore. I, lo- I go on Facebook to laugh for the comedy of it. Me so too. if you cut me off in the middle of someone that's about to give like the punchline of his joke, oh my God, it's the worst. I'm literally like, get out, skip, skip, skip. Because it's like, always at doing? the most inconvenient time and then you <sighs> skip it and then it somehow manages to cut off some of what you were doing. So you have yeah. to rewind it. Yeah, yeah, it's so annoying, and I'm literally like, that's why I'm not shopping on Facebook. I'm not going to click on any of these links. You, you cut me off in the middle of some of my favorite videos. Anyway, sorry, I'm that's a bit too much of a rat. <laughs> yeah, I am obviously not a fan of videos on Facebook, and the way that some of them like they do. I, th- I think at some point they start, they must have been testing it out because I'm seeing less of it now. They do like two non-skippable videos. Now it's just one and then a second one is skippable. And yeah. I was like, dude, don't give me two unskippable and I'm going to stop using you. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> inter- interesting, interesting times in our lives. I should probably <laughs> just get off Facebook. That's what I should do. Um, anyway, Julie gives her answer to question three as well, saying trying to be try to be as specific as possible uh, for paid social, but it is getting harder with less data available to social networks. Having a customer list of some kind has become a lot more important to use as the seed for other targeting options on social. Julia Vice continues her answer to question three, saying the loss of store traffic reporting on Facebook basically took away my ability to report on my particular conversions. So it's a lot of reach or awareness then on to search for actual conversions for small biz advocate. Ha! Facebook sure does hate brick and mortar. Yeah, they don't, none of these companies anymore like brick and mortar. I think it really, it's when I hear about SEO local, actually I'm grateful for, you know, smaller brick and mortar companies that there's SEO local, like their strategies, their departments for it. Otherwise, there'll be really no capability and no help for, you know, the, for local businesses that really are mainly relying on their brick and mortar. Have you ever worked with any clients that rely a lot on people coming into the store? Not really. How do you no. work with what? How, how do you work out with audiences? Because my, yeah, even with paid search, how, because I remember there was a time there was such a thing like, you know, audiences and trying to catch people who are location targeting. That was such a big thing at some point. And if you could target someone that is in the local area of a shop and then you can direct them to the store. I don't think anyone has talked about that in such a while. And I don't know how much of it is a thing anymore. 
it's really hard to do as well because I do remember I tried to do one before for local shopping Mm. Um, and this but this was when I was like first started out and I'm gonna be honest I couldn't work it out I think I'd only been doing it for about a year and I was still learning about normal shopping and I was like I can't I can't work this out so it's crazy because they make it super complicated because I think with the local shopping you have to like upload a completely separate feed and you have to Mm. include this thing and I'm like if I'm someone who's been doing this for a year and I'm an account manager and I can't work it out how is a local business supposed to work it out yeah yeah absolutely and then Julie gets an answer from Cami Karras where in response to Julie's answer to question three, where Julie had said, try to be as specific as possible, but it's getting harder with less data available to social networks. And Cami replies, most of our clients refuse to share their customer lists with Google or Facebook. Wow. Yeah. Some for legal reasons. Okay. And some just because they are distrustful, can't blame them. Yeah. And Julia replies, it's a really interesting situation here. And Julia Vice goes, same here. All public sector up here will simply not share these types of lists, no matter how safe. Ah, yeah. And I feel like I never knew whether the whole sharing your customer list was something that was, I'd always, I should advise to every client or whether it is something that we should be wary of about sharing with google how do you do customer lists do you, are you so customer lists? we get the clients to do it themselves we'll send over sure. instructions and we'll get them okay. to do it yeah. obviously because of gdpr yeah we yeah. we're not lawyers so we don't really know that much about gdpr yeah and we're worried that by us seeing the emails that's breaking gdpr yeah so we'd always ask clients first do you think your list is gdpr compliant yeah if they say yes, then we'll give them instructions on how to upload themselves. If they say no, then we obviously don't do it. If they say they don't know, then we won't do it because it's really hard. I mean, I've tried to look for like how an easy way for clients to know if they're, they're GDPR compliant and there's no yeah. easy way of telling them. Yeah. So I yeah. usually just say, I don't really know myself. Yeah, It's all to do with what cookies they've got on their website and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So if they say they don't know, then we just don't do it. So we'll only do yeah. it to clients that will say yes. And like I said, we get them to upload it themselves. Mm. Or on the side of safety, if they don't know, it's just better to not do it, to be honest, in these kind of cases. Yeah. So Dwayne Brown replies to question three saying, we see interest targeting work better than broader or look alike with some clients, not a one size fits all type situation, especially when looking at Snap and TikTok versus Big Blue. Julian then takes us on to question four saying, on average, how good or confident do you feel that you're currently targeting the right, in inverted commas, people with your paid search ads? Why? And uh, yeah, next question will be about paid social. Yeah. What do you think? Are you doing the right thing? I know it's dangerous for you to say no on a public <laughs> on a public forum here, but how do you how? Because I've actually, in fact, in a way, what question I was going to ask, uh, move on to, is how I was going to rephrase the question was to say that how do you ensure that you are doing the right thing? And I feel like what what you just said about you know asking those questions about you know GDPR and if you're not sure, rather not do it, or even if you can get them to do it. I feel that's a fantastic step that people should take on board. Um, any other things to ensure that you are doing things the right way? Make sure that you are kind of using it ethically. Um, yeah. Don't target certain people. I know this is a topic that we've come up before. Don't target certain people and just monetize of that people. You yeah. want to make sure that you are doing things ethically because if you're not, then it's just going to damage your brand. 
And yeah. I think with the changes in iOS 14.5, Facebook mm. is less now for conversions and more for brand awareness. It's important yeah. for that brand. So you want to make sure that you are keeping your brand on there. Absolutely. Although it's made, it makes me nervous. I mean, I know brand awareness is very important, but you know, how much of that spending is going too much? Are they, you know, if it's a lot of brand awareness, I feel like that's a lot of inflated spend and gives a better reason as to why you don't get as many conversions because it's like, oh, it's brand awareness. You know, it's fine that it's not, it's not converting. I mean, as, as we did mention, you know, earlier on that, yeah, as a Facebook user, we're not necessarily engaged buyers, but you get a lot of people saying that, oh, they spend money, they do purchase on Facebook. I feel that it's a bit wrong that it's Facebook doing the whole, oh yeah, it's brand awareness. Don't worry about the conversions. It's, you know, I mean, do you have a take on that? Is it definitely only a brand awareness thing? It can bring in conversions. It just can't bring in as many conversions as it used to. Like I had a client where before iOS 14, they were bringing in, you know, quite a lot of money. Mm. The ROAS dropped from, I think it dropped from around about a 10 to three. That's how much it was wow. dropped because of that OS 14.5 update. So there has been like a, a significant decrease in performance. Yeah. Funny enough, I find that lead gen ones actually hasn't been as negatively affected. For me, I find it seems to be e-commerce clients. I don't know why. I don't mm. know if maybe people are just more willing to be targeted when they're mm. not putting in card details yeah. and stuff like that. Maybe it's something like that. But I think brand awareness is very important. I think people underestimate mm. brand awareness because there's a lot of psychology with people that are buying. It's like, mm. it's a bit off topic, but you know, you ever watch those mm. acts factor and you get the magicians and then they do this amazing trick and then they reveal yeah. at the end that they actually planted seeds along the way yeah, that made course. the judges yeah. act a different way. Yeah. To me, that's yeah. what, what brand awareness is. Yeah. And if you think about back in the day where we used to actually watch TV, not just Netflix, yeah, I think about TV adverts. While people yeah. don't tend to watch TV, especially in my generation, I never watch TV. Even if it's something like X Factor, I'll watch it on ITV, ITV yeah. Hub. Hub, okay. <laughs> I don't I even think I have TV. an aerial. <laughs> yeah, I'm still one of those rare few people that I'll still turn on E4. And I remember one some of my guilty pleasure show yeah. is Made in Chelsea. And oh my God, it's such trash TV, I know. And the thing is that the way I say it is that I know that it's on Mondays, nine o'clock. So I try to be home Mondays, nine o'clock, because I don't think for some trash TV, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to actually catch up do on demand made in Chelsea I'm not on demanding made in Chelsea if I catch it I catch it if I miss it I miss it it's how I want oh I watch it everything on demand my girl to pleasure has got to be um don't tell the bride so I'll watch I even watch that on demand seriously yeah or come dine with me the only time I actually watch normal tv is when I go to my brother's house okay wow interesting yeah no I still terrestrial. I love E4. I, I still watch the Big Bang Theory on reruns. I'm always watching Big Bang Theory every day. But it's also on Netflix. <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that unless I would have a life and just binge on it every day. No. Anyway, let's get back to what to what this is all about. Ad targeting. <laughs> ad targeting. We kind of lost the plot here talking about how, to, you know, <laughs> ad targeting like can be like a brand awareness can be like a magic trick that works. Absolutely works. Uh, Steve Hammer replies to question four saying, the data guides as always and based upon that data it varies widely i often find that it gives the machine a head start if i hit 
on targeting, but it isn't always clear what wins. So confidence is a coin flip. We have Julia as well, who replied to question four, saying, I think that I am with the qualifier that sometimes information from the client end can be incomplete. I feel like my ability to target well is tied to client feedback about what they are seeing. Also have some situations where client data of who to target is off. That whole, yeah, distribution of getting the information from the client can be difficult because that's what I was like for me what I feel is complex about ad targeting and what's made it even more complex about getting all the right information from the client. Jordan Salka as well replies to question four saying it's a keyword targeting I usually feel pretty good about. If I can exclude past converters even better as long as the search terms reflect the right intent, I feel like I am in the right ballpark. Julie then gives another answer to question for even saying I shared this in a thread yesterday, which partially inspired today's topic. Sometimes the client has either a misguided idea as to who their customers actually are or a gigantic blind spot to their actual or potential customers. That can be challenging. Had any customers, any clients like that, that really just don't understand who their customers are? I feel those are very interesting ones. Interesting slash annoying. <laughs> yeah, we have kind of seen that with with kind of smaller clients, which is where we tend to just have to go more broad and then collect the data and make the decisions ourselves. Okay. So it does happen. Unfortunately, not everyone will know who their clients are. Sometimes mm. you get clients as well where they won't understand that, not everyone's going to buy their product. They'll be like, yeah, just add to everyone. Everyone will buy our product. And it's like, no. No, no, no. Always look at the price range, especially. And yeah, no, 18-year-olds are definitely not buying properties either. I know. And, then, <laughs> and you look at, you've got generational issues as well. Each generation have will buy different things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Each generation will watch, consume media in different ways kind of thing, you know, you've touched on all of that. It's definitely something that needs to be, uh, we need to partake in. Kamikaris replies to question four saying, we're usually confident about it until proven otherwise, but seriously, we try to have the data to back our choices when possible. It gets harder when the client requests a very specific target because generally it's not always possible with their platform. You're nodding there along with that in agreement. Yeah. Issues with that. Yeah, you've definitely got to use data to drive those decisions. And and, yeah. and sometimes you can't do what the client wants. But in those situations, you've just got to explain it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah Steeman replies to your question four as well, saying, oh, geez, gosh, 50 to 75% confident. Maybe I am naive, but I look at the good old CTR, so click-through rate, as an indicator. That being said, within the business itself, I am not sure we get them to the right place Always. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a hit and miss. We have Steve Hammer replying to question five. How good or confident do you feel that you're currently targeting the right people with your paid social ads and why? That will, yeah, she pretty much said that that's what she was going to ask. So yeah, we should have thought of that. Steve Hammer replies to that saying, I will say that the tools can be better on social sometimes. Social stalking can actually help build an actionable profit profile to target or looking at external tools to do it at scale. Ironically, the actual targeting is often worse. um, Jordan Stark replies to question five saying, given the recent lack of data and clarity, I'm looking at you, Facebook, and the general state of the burning garbage that is that ad platform. I don't hope for much, but I am pleasantly surprised some of the time. So not great, I guess. We've got Chris Ridley replying to question two saying, the level of targeting varies between accounts due to budget, available 
data and account size. Most are using keywords, exclusions or negatives, audiences, remarketing, bid adjustments or smart bidding in Google ads. And we then have Dwayne Brown replying to question four, saying 95% as we feel nothing is perfect, can always be better. We are hitting KPIs and scaling paid search when we can, either in current country or opening new countries with our international clients. Before we go to question six, Stephanie, do you have any answers to words like how do you get targeting better with paid social specifically? Any different from what you've said prior? Uh, no, I think I've pretty much covered it all. Try out the different audiences, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I think the thing you got to add as well is make sure you've got the right messaging for people. Sure. So you might have certain products where different generations would reply to different messaging. Uh, yeah. So they you'd want to maybe break down by both audiences and age group and stuff like that. Okay. Sounds good. Different Sounds good. genders. Mm, yeah, <laughs> if you can sometimes yeah. or find a find a roundabout way of doing that. <laughs> Julie takes us on to question six, which is our second to last question. She asks, do your clients or stakeholders have incorrect or misguided ideas about who their actual potential customer base actually is? How do you know it's not right? What do you do in this situation? We kind of touched on that a little bit, but um, yeah, what are your clients like? Do, they, do you feel like they know who their customers are? The majority of the time, I think I've been quite lucky in this job where I've had that. In my last job where I worked on a lot of more small to medium-sized businesses, mm. honestly, they didn't have a clue. <laughs> really? <laughs> and how do you figure it out? So is it just like, you know, letting the data tell you that and then going back to them? Yeah, you've yeah. just got to put everything on. You know, whenever I get a new account, I'll always set everything up, put on all the audiences on observation if it's yeah Google so that I can collect that data. And if it's Facebook, just start off broad and then just use the data to make decisions going forward. I think even if a customer knows what the, who their customers are, it's always mm. a good idea to still collect that data mm. because I think sometimes it can surprise you mm. and times change. And as times change and trends change, yeah. So I don't know, like TikTok is a good example. I've never, ever, ever gone on TikTok. And then I set up an account last week and now I'm addicted. Yeah, yeah. I'm 32 years old and I'm using TikTok for the first time because it's just become that much <laughs> oh of a trend God. now. And people yeah. kept sending me TikTok videos. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I might as well jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to, like, within like 10 minutes, I'd created a, the marketing annual one. I created one for the podcast. And now I'm thinking I need to create one for my cats because <laughs> literally all the cat video people oh, out there. Crazy. crazy. <laughs> no. I'll create like Instagram reels of my cat. And I've created like posts that, you know, successful is, oh, 40 likes, oh, 40 people like my post. I will put like an Instagram reel of my cat just, just, doing nothing and like within five minutes 121 likes like 120 130 <laughs> and I'm like you guys are crazy but okay I'll take it people like <laughs> yeah. cats people like cats thank god for that um Dwayne Brown replies to question five saying hard to give a number clients have seen revenue boom and nothing major has changed but we are always looking at ad 
manager, GA and motion data to see what is working and testing new ideas and targeting. Cam Karras gives an answer to question six about do, do the clients know who their actual customer base is? And she goes, we are blessed with a majority of clients being in business a while. They actually have a pretty good handle on their customer basis. It's the newer businesses or the ones that simply haven't paid attention in the past that miss the mark. I wonder how you miss a mark like that. And I feel marketing strategy is not necessarily always focused on people are just like, let's just see how many people will buy. It's a needed niche. So we're just going to throw it to the market. But I feel like for all your products, even if you don't put a marketing strategy together, you've got to think, okay, who is going to use this the most? Because every product you bring out to, even if it's a feminine product, you know, you're looking at females who have started shaving and that kind you don't just go oh let's just anyone buy let's just do an ad that anyone will look at i'm like a dude will look at it don't target men because they'll look at it and go why am i seeing this ad about (laughs) shaving cream a female shaving cream you know like oh this comes some of these things i think it can be a little bit even a lot earlier there are loads of products that i i well i'd like to think i'd like to believe that People have a general idea of who it is. They love support. Maybe they'll love, have part, love partnerships. But the target, usually, people, you should, that's one of the first things you should think about, I think, when you're coming up with a product. So, yeah, hopefully, new businesses are doing better in knowing who their customers are. Julia as well answers saying, um, I always challenge clients' assumptions about who their customers are. I want to see their data for myself. Then I want to explore who else might be great customers together and test, test, test. Exactly. Example, you know, we can expand, but know who the core are. Chris Ridley replies to question four saying, um, eight out of 10 performance max changes to keyword matching and the black box that is performance max, max are casting uncertainty on some elements of my strategies. Luckily, we have more search terms data now and we'll hopefully soon get more exclusion settings within Performance Max campaigns. Steve Gibson replies to question six saying sometimes, but that's often something that once I ask a few questions, they realize they need me to figure it out for them. Sarah Steeman replies to question six saying, oh, oh, absolutely, all the time. I'm very much in retail. Many times a brand thinks they are high-end or runway. They are actually teenager brands. Remember the return to Tiffany's collection? (laughs) Shout out to Tiffany. Um, That heart chain. But yes, I guess you kind of laugh inside. Yeah, I think it was very interesting. One thing that one brand, especially that one of my friends made me actually realize that what the different audiences can be like, especially depending also what country you're targeting. Abercrombie and Fitch, that I would have thought was quite high end. Apparently in the US, it's something that students wear. It's not a high-end expensive, like, oh my God, I want to get an Abercrombie and Fitch. It's only students wow. that really like, yeah, spend it. So she was really surprised where it seemed to be in the same area. She came here because she used to live in the US. Yep. Abercrombie was, every, only students were really wearing Abercrombie and Fitch. Came into the US and it was all seemed to be like in the same areas, the high-end stores and, you know, the big brands. And she was very confused by that. She's like, why are people getting all excited about Abercrombie and Fitch? It's for students, but no. No, not over here. That's not how, not over here. We think it's like, yeah, a hot new thing. <laughs> Have a copy of So yeah, Dwayne Brown as well uh, replies to question six saying some do. 
Paid social can be good to help test customer audiences, reading more reviews to see who is buying. As the business grows revenue, their business expands and includes new people who weren't buying two years ago. Steve Hammer replies to question six in the audience reports in GA and GA ads and Google ads are woefully underused. Pull up the whole audience for a site and compare to converters. It's eye opening and we already have the data. So going on to our last question, Julie asks, what kind of data points do you use to help determine who you should be targeting and how to actually reach them? It's a difficult question because it depends. Okay. Uh, Don't worry, we're used to that answer. It's fine. (laughs) It depends (laughs) on on the accounts. It depends on the people. You always want to make sure that you're having a look at the audiences that you get on analytics. But you also want to have a look at demographics. I've noticed someone that says about data layering, you know, layering them together by using the custom audiences is a good thing to do. But also having a look at the stats themselves, because you don't just want to, sometimes I think sometimes get too focused on conversions and you want to have a look at other stats as well, because other stats still might have a good effect. If you drop traffic too much, that can have a negative effect. So you want to make sure you're looking at the statistics and then also the audience's parts on analytics. Yeah. Also, have a look at other data you can get as well. Um, have a look at data from Facebook. Sometimes I've noticed that people will do search or Facebook. It's very rare that you get people that do both these things. Okay. And then you don't have a look at the cross channels. So yeah. have a look at what's working on Facebook. Can I use that on test that on Google and Google. vice versa? Yeah. Absolutely. I've got a friend right now who's literally like he wants to get in a role where he can see both paid social and paid search because you can get pigeonholed or you can just be, you know, stuck in your silo trying to do, you know, kind of like work too harder instead of actually working smarter and actually seeing what's working in another channel and bringing that in. So, yeah. Very fair point. See what's working in other areas. Um, I think some some others do find the question seven hard, but got some answers here. Julia Vice goes, we have proprietary data to start with, so I'm spoiled, I know. Then come score for overall platform use. Pinterest users are different than Instagrammers. Then into planner tools and budget allocations. It's a bit theoretical tinkering, but it works. Sarah Steeman replies as well, saying SQRs, search terms, click-through rate, conversions, and in an ideal world, path from landing page or landing page experience to help if you do any type of CRO. Julia Vice continues with another answer to question seven, saying now what goes into all those tools? First in market, then interested, then affinity. Once you have that built, you can start and get into lookalikes and lists from there. Chris Ridley replies as well, saying, I start with the client's existing customer list, company reviews, public opinions for SWOT, and SWOT meaning SWOT analysis, no, strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, and threats. That's what again. <laughs> it's been a while yeah. I've used that, that I could have. <laughs> you don't see that coming up a lot. I don't think I've used that since university. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he says, public opinion for SWOT and learning about their product, services, 
what pain points they solve and their USPs. Julie answers as well, saying that whatever data client has, this varies wildly. Search query reports, demographic reports in platforms or analytics, competitor research, you can reverse engineer more than you think. I'm also a fan of social listening to gather intel. I think that's a very good thing to do, social listening and how things will get affected. Steve Hammer replies saying, so my answer to question six is also answer question seven. I'm going full medium right now. Also use things like Spark Toro, my programmatic platform and anything else that I can find used to use clout, so K-L-O-U-T. We then have um, Kondo replying to question six saying, happens mostly in contextual targeting, keyword targeting. Most clients don't understand the difference between search keywords versus display keywords. Most of them suggest to add search terms with higher impressions to contextual grave mistake. And I'll give our last answer from Dwayne Brown answering question seven, saying the number one way and most don't do it is talking to customers by phone in person and letting them tell you who they are and why they buy. Interesting. That's some like nice old school research. So no data in any analytics platforms will replace that. Yeah. The truth from at least, even if it's like a focus group of actually just getting to know people and knowing what they want and how they do things. So yeah, that's very interesting. Those are our last answers. Any more answers from you? Any data points that came to mind while we were going through those answers? There was one thing that pops in my mind. And Mm. one thing that I've got to uh, remind people as well is is to make sure that you're optimizing towards the right data points as well. Sometimes when people look at statistics, they'll look at one and they'll forget about others. You've also Mm. got to take into consideration that like lead gen and e-commerce clients are completely different. You know, yeah. like I think cost per conversion is a good one. People yeah. are really focused on cost per conversion yeah. when it comes to lead gen, but then yeah. they'll be just as focused on e-commerce. But with e-commerce, you want to look at more like cost per unique purchase yeah. rather than cost per action. So yeah. always make sure that you look at the right statistics, you're optimizing for the right statistics. Otherwise, you're going to find that you're going to be cutting off people that, that could bring in a lot of revenue. Amazing. Good advice. So yeah, optimize towards the right data points and optimize in different ways, depending on what the data says to the right data points. Thank you very much for that, Tiffany. I've really enjoyed our chat. And honestly, that went by so quickly. Usually this will be a two hour recording session for me (laughs) um, because I'll be pausing to watch Bing Bang Theory and to come back. But um, no, I'm glad that we got ran through that. It was very exciting. I don't know about you. I took some great takeaways there for me and like the audience types to look at for for clients for future. If you want to chat more about this topic, we will be asking Julie some questions about what was it again about the targeting and the observation, putting yeah, the observation them together. And targeting. Yeah. And what she means by that. So <laughs> if you want, you have that, if you're curious about her answer to that and just want to discuss more about, yeah, ad targeting, please join us on Thursday at 5 p.m. GMT. So that's 5 p.m. UK time or 12 p.m. Eastern time, US Eastern time. For any feedback about the podcast or even get send me any corrections on um, anything that has been shared, do get in touch with me on Twitter. My DMs are open on the handle, The Marketing Anu, or on LinkedIn, we've got PPC chat underscore roundup group. We'd love for you to join us and join the chat about paid search and ad targeting and um, all the frustrations that we have handles social media tiffany how can people get in touch with you if they have more questions about ad targeting or they want to follow you and get all the amazing ideas and tips that you give about the performance of your clients yeah you can you can follow me on twitter uh 
Tiffany Drop J Shears. I'm also on LinkedIn, Tiffany Shears, Love but it. I'm going to be honest, I don't use LinkedIn that much. I'm more of a, a Twitter person. Person, yep. So follow Tiffany on Twitter. That's great. I'd also like to say for any longstanding or even brand new listeners who love this show, listen to it week in, week out, even if like just like maybe like five, 10 minutes because you're very busy. I get it. I'd love for you to leave a review or a rating. Spotify now allows you to do that. I'm very excited about that because before it was only, you could only do it on Apple Podcasts. And I know not a lot of people were fans of, especially not, a lot of my listeners back then were not like Apple you know, users. We were like, oh, I'm going to have to dig out my iPad from and I used to use it years ago. <laughs> but yeah, you can do it on Spotify now. You can leave a rating. Five-star rating would be great. <laughs> but obviously, I don't want to influence you. But yeah, you can always also leave a rating on Apple as well. If you're, if you're an Apple user, there's also a platform, Podchaser. I put a, a collection of links of hey, where you can rate on the link, link tree. So that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash PPC chat underscore roundup. Again, that's L-I-N k-t-r dot e-e forward slash ppc chat underscore roundup again this podcast is made possible by the awesome guys at opteo who are always helping you to do more with google ads for a 60-day free trial check out opteo.com forward slash ppc chat yes finally remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface so keep your swans kicking bye and speak to you next week and thank you for joining us today tiffany thank you for having me i really enjoyed it <laughs>